Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Today on the podcast, we have another Patreon-suggested episode, and we're so excited to talk about the Paper Mario series, with a special emphasis on the GameCube title, Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, One of our patrons, Ben, had this idea, and he specifically wanted us to focus on uh, The Thousand Year Door. So what we're going to do today, uh, the episode is called Paper Mario. We thought it was a good excuse to play some music from uh, the rest of the series, but we're going to have the heaviest focus focus on the sequel, Thousand Year Door. I think we're playing 10 tracks from that. We're playing a couple from the first game, a few from the third game, and a few from the fourth game. I think we're stopping at the fourth game today, which is uh, Sticker Star. Yeah, the Paper Mario series is an interesting series of RPGs that's sort of like an offshoot of uh, Super Mario RPG for the Super Nintendo that was developed by Square and uh, its music was composed by Yoko Shimomura and Mm -hmm. it's what seemed like a crazy idea of making RPG starring the Mario characters but that was a really great game and it displayed a lot of creativity Paper Mario I think was um, a similar effort and I think another really great idea it came out for the Nintendo 64 but Mm -hmm. what was so enduring about Paper Mario and kind of its central gimmick is even though it was another RPG game, uh, everything has this really charming... Uh, visual style where it's sort of these 2D paper doll cutouts. Yeah. And the great thing about it is you can look at that game today and it still looks it fantastic. It looks amazing. It looks as good as any of the other Paper Mario games and it was such an enduring... Well, especially when you look at the GameCube sequel, Thousand Year Door, that that looks... I mean, that could have come out like last year. If they would have, you know, upped the resolution, that would have been good to go. Yeah, these right. games are so creative and the one through line through all these games is the sense of humor. They're just hilarious games and and it's a really nice change of pace from the tone that you typically get in mainline Mario games. Like, I really like how they, they go for things and they go in directions that would never be appropriate for uh, mainline Mario games. So it, it, they're, they're really fun games. I think our favorite in the series, personally, for Will and myself, is definitely Super Paper Mario. I think mm-hmm. that's the one that we spent the most time actually playing. Well, that's the game that uh, has the least amount of um, JRPG elements. There's yeah, not it was kind of a so crossover. In the way of like turn-based RPG gameplay, it, it is a little bit more emphasis on action. It has the RPG elements of collecting items and exploration and going around and talking to people. Well, you know what's ironic, or not ironic, but interesting, is I think purists of the series, I'm, that's probably not their favorite entry because it's maybe oh, a little I'm bit sure. more watered the down. The thing, though, that I love about Super Paper Mario is just in terms of clever game mechanics, mm-hmm. it was so inventive. Forget Mario, forget it being an RPG, but just the mechanics in that game I thought were so brilliant of yeah. how you can sort of flip the world between 2D and 3D and solve puzzles in this really you know almost fourth dimensional way yeah. it was a really clever idea and I it was something that like I don't know I feel like they could have made a whole game just around that gimmick maybe outside of the Paper Mario series because it was such a clever idea in my opinion overall a lot of creativity throughout this entire series um, the musical Every direction game almost has a specific gimmick or, or sort of hook right you know um, especially in the, the recent titles after Super Paper Mario the musical direction I would say overall is again very different from the mainline Mario series it really couldn't be any more different if they tried it's very silly very quirky very goofy 
Um, at times it can be annoying. <laughs> right. Um, but it's it's very intentional. Uh, what you guys heard playing in was Petal Meadows from Thousand Year Door. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Uh, before we do that, let's play two tracks from the first game. We're really not spending much time on the first Paper Mario uh, today. Uh, let's start with one of the first things you hear. This is Story of the Stolen Spirits. And this game was composed by Yuka Tsujioko of Fire Emblem fame, as well as Taishi Senda. Let's take a listen. You guys are listening to Story of the Stolen Spirits, uh, one of the opening themes of the game. Really sets the tone. Um, yeah, I've start. I've tried to start the original Paper Mario probably like five different times, and I'm always impressed with everything about the game. I just can't get into it. I just think overall the genre is just not something I'm able to <laughs> to fully embrace. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way about Super Mario RPG. I really yeah. want to play it, and it's it's great. And it, it's like this in that it's funny, it has good writing, mm-hmm. it's a colorful world. I prefer that series of games, and that almost evolved into the Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga and series. And Yoko continued to score that. Series, I, yeah. yeah, and the thing about that is the music is a huge part. When I play Super Mario RPG, that music gives me a sort of feeling that mm. the Paper Mario series doesn't have the same tone. There yes, are times definitely when true. they overlap because Yoko, I think, also goes for a little bit more of a silly style, but her music is almost always like dancey. It's mm-hmm. like dancey and fun, and it like it it pumps me up a little bit. Where I feel like a lot of the music in the Paper Mario series is um, like tongue and cheek. Like it yes. has this element of like satire or playing up the comedy of it. It's and kind I feel of like... Grant Kirkopian in a way. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we use his name that way. Kirkopian. He should really score a Paper Mario game. He would be right at home. It's a well, very he different did that musical direction. Mario yeah. uh, and Rabbids Kingdom mm-hmm. Battle, which is such a good score. Like I can't recommend that enough. It's like quintessential Grant Kirkhope, and so much of it is done with like a real orchestra. Yeah, some of his his best work. I think it's like I don't know. It's great. All right, let's play one more track from Paper Mario. Now the the vibe of both of these pieces of music, very soft and sweet, kind of lullaby, is not the vibe you typically get in the soundtrack. It's not necessarily indicative of the soundtrack. I would say that Will and myself. We're not particularly big fans of the the original Paper Mario soundtrack, so yeah. that's one reason why we're not focusing on it too uh, too much today. And also, it was lucky that you know our patron wanted us to focus mostly on Thousand Year Door, so we're happy to oblige. Uh, let's play one more. This is Princess in Distress from Paper Mario.
You guys listening to Princess in Distress from Paper Mario? Uh, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about some of our feelings towards uh, the soundtrack of Paper Mario. This is a nice, sweet piece of music, and it, it fits the bill. It's the right vibe. Um, there's not really anything else on top of that. There's not a lot to explore or discuss about this. It's kind of a surface level, and, and that's kind of how I feel about the whole soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It's all very functional, um, and again, it has a lot of sense of humor, so it definitely matches the comedic tone of the game, but it's not something that on its own uh, you can really go back to and, and talk about and, and digest. There's A lot of it is, is to be honest, um, I think quite annoying. I don't know, what do you think, Will? I agree. It, it's strange because you know, being such a Nintendo fan and such a Mario fan, and uh, this game was developed by Intelligent Systems, which is, That's uh, correct. I believe, sort of like an offshoot of... Nintendo, they developed Super Metroid, mm-hmm. and more recently they created games like Pushmo, uh, known for having wonderful music and great gameplay. Um, this is a this is a strange instance to me where the music doesn't quite fit. Uh, the principal composer uh, Yuka Sugioko, she is known for the Fire Emblem series, so which is also Intelligent Systems. Yeah. yeah so on some level, there's this sense of like having. Um, you know, an RPG veteran working on the game in the same way that you had Yoko Shimomura and even, you know, they use like an Uematsu track in uh, mm-hmm. Super Mario RPG. It almost like christens it as being like a legitimate RPG. So I, right. I think maybe that was one of the ideas of, of trying to take this team that had built, not that Fire Emblem is an RPG necessarily, but it does have more I think of it those basically is. Uh, elements, I guess you would say. And so to me, though, honestly, and this is something that we really had to grapple with when we did that Fire Emblem episode, with the exception of a handful of tunes, I'm really not the biggest fan of her as a composer. I mean, me neither. We went through every single game in the series and the best music is from the games that she didn't compose for sure and it's it's strange because you'll go through this entire huge soundtrack and to me there's just like not a lot great there in the original paper mario even though it's very different tone than that the um i'm i'm not really that drawn to the music but as the series goes there's definitely some memorable and exceptional things that happen for sure but this first entry is kind of an odd an oddball when it comes to the music yeah i I would say i have the opinion that every paper mario game that came out this the soundtrack the music got better and better in my opinion Mm -hmm. uh um, I guess I don't know if, if, for me, if anything tops Super Paper Mario. I'm not saying that after that it kept getting better. But for me, I thought they really started to find a comfortable balance of making the music quirky and silly. But it, it can't just be that. Uh, I right. think if it's just that surface level, I think it runs the risk of being a little bit too annoying. So I think they had a really good balance, particularly in the second and third game. Yeah, I think we'll notice... In, in Thousand Year Door, it starts to sound a little bit more like what Yoko Shimomura does in the Mario and Luigi series. For like, sure. I think if you, that track we played in with, Petal Meadows, you could tell me that that's from a Mario and Luigi game and mm-hmm. I might believe you. It has a similar sort of aesthetic. Well, let's move on to Thousand Year Door. This came out for the GameCube uh, and we're going to play a lot of music from this today. This uh, game was composed by Yoshito Hirano as well as Yuka Tsujioko. So I have a feeling that Hirano's and energy uh, in this game was responsible for maybe why this soundtrack is quite a bit better than the original. Uh, Let's take a listen to intro story from The Thousand Year Door.
You guys are listening to Intro Story from Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door, which was the sequel on the GameCube. And there was a third uh, composer that also worked on this game. In addition to Yoshito Hirano and Yuka Tsujioko, we also have Saki Haruyama joined on this game as well. Well, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, to me, it feels like the quality has, has gone so much higher from what we heard in the first game. Right, and I, I think for the context of today's episode, you know, we, we didn't really play the tracks from the original Paper Mario that we're more or less talking about that we weren't very drawn by, but I think this is a great first track to play from Thousand Year Door because um, uh, in terms of the instrumentation, it's really going for a similar thing that that story of the Stolen Spirits is. Absolutely. It's very sentimental and harmonically rich ballad on like a music box or celeste type instrument, but almost immediately the the emotional level here is uh quite a few steps beyond what we heard in that first game mm-hmm. and again it just seems like it's taking itself a little bit more seriously where the the first one it, it's almost like i don't know at an arm's length or something and this one kind of opens up to be this more lush sound i could actually see this being a sujioko composition because oh, it just has some little hmm. melodic um, staples that remind me of some of her stuff uh, in the Fire Emblem series. Yeah, overall, the the soundtrack of Thousand Year Door is a lot more successful because it seems like it's it's very well balanced and eclectic, and you have just as many silly pieces of music as in the first game, but right. you also have uh, tracks like this that they just seem like they're really solid compositions. And I think whenever you have music that is a little bit more serious in a game that has a lot of humor. I think it it kind of helps to elevate those those fun and funny moments. Right. And the th- I think the thing that I, I just feel like is odd about the original Paper Mario is you don't just have those quintessential background music pieces. Like, yeah. I don't know. I've, I haven't played Super Paper Mario for probably like long time. nine or ten years. Uh, but when I think about that, I, I like just walking around in that flip side. I can still remember all the details of that music. Right. And it's like, that's, I think a game needs, especially an RPG needs, you need a good town theme. You need a good background <laughs> yeah. piece of music to just kind of accommodate while you're walking around, not necessarily doing anything that important. And that's where the first game to me falls short. And I think the second game really picks up the slack in terms of uh, the caliber of music across the whole game, I think is stronger. And we talk about the whole game. uh, It seems like Thousand Year Door is definitely the definitive game in the series for fans of this, of this series. It really seems like Thousand Year Door is the, you know, the masterpiece. Uh, Let's move on to the main theme from Paper Mario, the Thousand Year Door.
You guys listening to the main theme from A Thousand Year Door, and I would bet my life that this is Yoshito Hirano composition. Uh, this is really eclectic. This is the type of eclecticism I really think is perfect for the Paper Mario series. You have some chip sounds in there. You have some funky clavinet and some drum set and some some orchestral synth sounds. Uh, the composition is very bold and kind of jazz fusiony in a way. It's just very yeah. experimental, um, but fun. It, you know, that's the the number one word I would use to describe this is fun. Yeah, very fun and a perfect description, Carl, of that sort of zany creativity, that eclecticism with the instrumentation, but also with the composition itself. There's the, these sure. little devious harmonic touches. First of all, the way that that it it implies the Mixolydian mode a little bit, which actually mm. reminds me a lot of like Yoko Shimomura and just the Mario series in general. That flirting between the one and the flat seven, but then there's all these other little weird chromatic colors that make it slightly mysterious and it just complicate the whole thing. And then in addition to that. Uh, that whole introductory section and a lot of the way everything is harmonized, there's all this interesting kind of like modal mixture. And right. so it's like eclecticism, not just in terms of instrumentation, but in terms of the whole thing, the melody, the the chords, and even the way they're voiced, these kind of like parallel fourth harmonies that are less intuitive than maybe just simple thirds or sixths where it's like if this was a more mainline Mario game and let's say you had a melody like this one it would be presented in I think a completely different kind of way oh my gosh that's what I like about this track is there's elements of it that feel like an echo of the Nintendo Mario universe but then there's all this kind of newness about it and to me this it's is a, a perfect main theme for a game yeah because it like gets you really excited about the possibility of this whole world I mean it just sets it sets the perfect tone for this game and I think everything about this game and particularly the soundtrack is really going beyond what they did in in the first game and I think it's very clear listening to this main theme it's yeah it's very confident very fun very wild stuff all right, let's move on to one of my favorite pieces of music in this soundtrack. This is the battle theme. Now, a battle theme is one of the most important uh, pieces of music for an RPG game because you hear it probably more than anything else. And if it's annoying and like too zany, it's I think it's kind of well, bad news, dude. I think my favorite battle theme of any game has got to be. <laughs> Yoko Shimomura's Mario RPG battle music is like, it sounds like celebration music. Was that the battle battle. theme or was that the victory theme? Yeah, that's the battle theme because the victory theme is... That's right. Those always go hand in hand with me. I really like this theme. I think it's a lot of fun and I would enjoy listening to this for hours and hours as I try to make my way through this game, even though I haven't done that yet. Let's take a listen to the battle theme. So fun. This is the battle theme from Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door. 
And when I was listening through the soundtrack and, and thinking about the historical context, this came out in 2004 for the GameCube. I actually think that this soundtrack was very important to uh, the direction of Super Mario Galaxy, specifically the boss music, the kind oh, of like. MIDI music in that game, not the orchestral stuff. I feel like this soundtrack really made it clear that, you know, this type of music can fit for the Mushroom Kingdom and for this character and, you know, this world. And so I think this actually does remind me of some of the more zany kind of uh, intense music that you hear in the mainline series to come. That's really interesting, Carl, uh, because I think that's a really good point. When I was listening to this, I was thinking of it in comparison to other turn-based RPG battle themes. Okay. And it was just sort of delighting in, I, I was mentioning the Yoko Shimomura one almost in a humorous way, but this does a similar thing. And what I so like about it is that it's really taking advantage of the um, limited intensity of turn-based based RPG gameplay mm -hmm. that even when it's a battle it's not necessarily action oriented in terms of the mechanics but so many RPG games feel the need to have this really intense epic battle music <laughs> yeah and, and it's almost not fitting and you're just picking items in a menu you know and what I like about this it's more contemplative it sounds almost like puzzle game music because really the the battle mechanics in an RPG are a little bit more like puzzle solving right there is an execution element and I think the Paper Mario series has always tried to blur the line by making those RPG elements like interactive and engaging and fun. Well, one thing I will say is this is the normal battle theme, so there's definitely a lot of epicness and intensity, even we're going right. to hear in later battle themes. Uh, so yeah, they definitely amp things up. But yeah, I, I think this is the perfect energy for yeah, the normal battle it's, theme. It, it's, it's not... Is I think that that heightened intensity does get old after a while, but you can mm -hmm. almost only do it for a character like Mario, where the whole thing has to be sort of low stakes. I think in order for to have this kind of tone, but it, it gets a piece of music that wouldn't really fit in any other context in a normal game. Like I, right. like I, I, I thought it was a good point you made that like the instrumentation here is influential of almost what they started doing with boss music in the mainline Mario series, but mm -hmm. even that to me is that kind of stuff tends to be more cliche because it's going for this it's way more chromatic and dissonant yeah. and it's meant to sound like unpleasant where this is meant to sound fun I mean you're and... going to hear that stuff in the later battle themes right but yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Let's move on to a really interesting character theme. This is Lord Crump's theme. Don't know anything about this character. From this music, I have a feeling he's a baddie. Uh, this is a really interesting and eclectic and kind of experimental piece of music, but I really enjoy it. Let's take a listen to Lord Crump's theme.
You guys are listening to Lord Crump's theme. This is very ahead of its time. The soundtrack was composed by Hirano Sujioko in Haruyama, and I have a feeling that most of the pieces that we picked today um, were not composed by Sujioko because a lot of these pieces that we're playing today, I really just don't think they sound anything like her style. Well, and uh, something that's so exceptional about this piece of music is just how impressive it sounds on For the, the GameCube. GameCube. Yeah, uh, when Better I think than of the GameCube, most GameCube soundtrack. Yeah, I think of games, you know, like Mario Sunshine and Wind Waker and right. things with, you know, the the compositions are good, but the sounds are almost objectively kind of. Crummy. Yeah, I will say that going back and listening to this whole thing, I was expecting it to sound a little bit more dated, and I was impressed by how fresh the actual production sound right like, i well, really do me, think everything about this game really holds up yeah this this kind of i would put up there with metroid prime as being one of the like best sounding uh gamecube titles in I terms would of the agree. soundtrack i love the electronic elements it's really hip first of all this track i like the sort of groove that it establishes it has a really kind of swanky quasi hip-hop electronic vibe but it's like more laid back than a lot of modern electronic yeah, it's also music, really but it uses gnarly. all these glitchy sounds, and yeah. I like the use of kind of like the chip music stuff. It even feels like it's like quoting a really classic Atari sound effect. Yeah. That like, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing that it plays. If you go back and listen to the earlier part of the music, you'll hear that. Um, and I, I don't know. There's like something really cool about that. I would love to, I apologize again for uh, serious gamers who know and love this game because I am ignorant to the context of the character and everything, but I'm, I really enjoy just listening to the music and sort of imagining that because, uh, there's really so much character to a piece of music like this. And so much of that is coming through the production, which is not something that I think someone would expect when looking at a GameCube game. The next track we're going to move to is is another great showcase of this soundtrack. Um, I really like this track a lot. I might vote this for track of the week because I do think we should do something from Thousand Year Door, and I think it really is representative of this score. This piece of music is very creepy and has a lot of atmosphere, um, but again, it just sounds good, and it's something that I think holds up even to this day, even when we're just focusing on listening to this music today. So let's take a listen to Twilight Town. You guys listening to Twilight Town, there's a track that's coming in uh, two two slots from now that I also really, really like a lot. Um, but the reason why I thought this was one of my favorites is I just think it's, it's a great way to do ambient music on the GameCube. Again, yeah. this one incorporates some old retro synth sounds, uh, like chip sounds, but also some more modern like analog synth 
uh, sounds. Yeah, it, there's not much of a melody in this one. It's definitely right. more of an atmospheric piece, but I don't know. I just think this is really well done. It works really well. I was going to say the same thing about the atmosphere. First of all, I love that it's atmosphere in the sense that, yeah, there's not like a singable melody on top of it. It's mm -hmm. more about the mood, but it's not atmospheric in terms of being sort of boring background music. There is a lot of interesting things happening. I like how classical it gets with those sort of diminished chord And that reminds me of Mario. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like totally. Like a fortress theme. Well, and, and uh, you, everybody knows how much I love Kazumi Tataka, and I don't want to be critical at all, but compare this spooky music to, like, what you get in Luigi's Mansion. Right. Luigi's Mansion has great themes and kind of quirky and fun music, but in terms of, you know, listening to the noises and instrument sounds themselves, you know, that's kind of like when I think of GameCube music, I think of kind yeah. of primitive general MIDI and awkward cute Nintendo music uh, but this it like it still holds up it sounds good to listen to just as a piece of music and I think it's so much more moodful especially a track like this that's going for this sort of eerie ghostly yeah. sound I think it it really works well to have that sort of um, I don't know aesthetic taste that's really tuned up and yeah again i love the not just the use of synthesizers the fact that they're using these old synths but the way that they're using them the way things sort of like swell up the volume faders come up and yeah i don't know they feel like the the tones aren't chosen arbitrarily and they're not used to like represent real world instruments it's um, just a great mix you know uh, instrumentation wise composition wise uh having something that is not necessarily melodic, but active and engaging, you know, that balance of that versus atmosphere. I think it, it's just, it's a perfect mix for this track. Well, let's do this. Let's just finish this uh, soundtrack and then maybe we'll pick which track we liked best from Thousand Year Door. Uh, let's move on to a, a battle theme that gets a little bit more intense. This is Dupless Battle, and that's spelled D-O-O-P-L-I-S-S. Dupless Battle. Here we go. You guys are listening to Dupless Battle from the sequel, Paper Mario 2, for the GameCube. We have Hirano, Sujioko, as well as Haruyama. This is very unique and creative. I mean, the best way to describe the soundtrack is creative. It doesn't sound really like any other soundtrack, especially in this era. And it, it, it I mean, I don't want to rag too much on the original Paper Mario soundtrack, but 
it really is staggering to hear how <laughs> how much farther they went with this and uh, in, in some ways how much more serious it was taken. I think these additional composers really brought a lot of unique energy um, to the soundtrack, the mm -hmm. production, how everything is mixed together, just the, the compositional choices though. It, it's just all, I don't know, I just, I kind of, I kind of give it all a thumbs up. Yeah, I love the experimental side of it. And see, mm -hmm. I, some people have sort of criticized our analysis of, say, like some of the, what I consider terrible Mario Kart scores and some of the really banal boss music and say like, um, you know, Mario Galaxy or New Super Mario Brothers or, you know, that kind of squawky sound. That annoying Nintendo sound. Um, but to me, this is nothing like that. This is legitimately experimental. It's not just like intentionally annoying. It's deeply moodful. Well, we talked and about that on our our cliche episode, right, where we had a montage of that annoying Nintendo right. sound. And honestly, right. a couple of those pieces from that montage were from Paper Mario. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> what I love about this track is like, I don't know, as a composer and someone who's worked on video games, it, it's it's very difficult to approach a situation of, okay, you're writing a boss theme or a battle theme. It's like, how many times have you done that before? It's very difficult to not revert to some sort of cliche, cliche yeah. and to do something new that is really specific to the experience and not just say like, I'm going to do a generic intense dr driving rock piece of music or yeah. yeah, some other cliche. It's like, what I love about this is it's so specific. You know, this doesn't sound like any other piece of music and not to say that uniqueness is the imperative above all else but I just think it's a really effective battle track and it's it's um, restrained in certain ways that are more so than you might expect again from a hmm. battle track it's it's sinister for sure but it's not it's not like rhythmically intense in the cliched way that you expect it's more cerebral well, one, one thing I love about the Paper Mario series when it comes to RPGs is that there's this level of fun and humor that's like coding the entire experience. And that's what you yeah. hear in the soundtrack. Like this is a battle theme that would be too silly for most RPG games, but right. it's the perfect balance for the, for the Paper Mario series. Now, one thing I'll say is this game had three composers and I don't know the crediting of each track. There's plenty of tracks that do fall back into that kind of territory from the first game that, I guess I would describe it as that kind of obnoxious Nintendo style where there's really not much under the hood. There's plenty of music like that right. in the soundtrack. I mean, we went through and, and it's very it's a very long soundtrack and there's a lot of standouts and we tried to pick, you know, the best stuff we could find and we're not experts on this game, so I'm sure we missed some some things or, or maybe didn't play some important themes and maybe we're playing some obscure stuff, but this is the stuff that that kind of resonated with us the most. Uh, you know what this uh, score reminds me of is Earthbound. Because one of the things that was really effective about Earthbound was the tone of the music. And I think it was taking advantage again of the RPG nature of it. That you could kind of have these emotional tones that are in between just kind of like intense action and plaintive background music. It's like... Uh, Earthbound, the conceit of the game is so much more cerebral. 
um, and just kind of like some of the battles and fights and some of the characters are it's a very conceptual game very sort of meta humor and everything Mm -hmm. and the music is it just so adds to that atmosphere the Paper Mario games are probably not as much but there is a level of like self-aware meta humor and when the music can kind of uh, feel like it's helping to spin this complicated story. I think it's really effective. You really nailed it. And I do remember hearing other people making that comparison, especially to this soundtrack. There are definitely moments when it feels like we're we're in Earthbound. It's just so weird and silly, but there's something about it that you can't help but keep listening to. Uh, let's move on to one of my favorites on the soundtrack, a real nice standout. This is X Not Fortress. just so fun you guys are listening to x not fortress from thousand year door you know what's interesting about some of our picks today is for, especially for this soundtrack i think we skipped a lot of not a lot of but a few um, more melodic pieces of music and went with a little bit more ambient ones just because they're just cool they're they're just yeah. really cool and confident and i think some of my favorite moments in the soundtrack are these ambient tracks where there's not really a clear melody but you're not really missing it because right. it's just such a fun groove and right the production is so cool and unique the chords yeah. are really interesting yeah it, it it doesn't really need it and again perfect for an rpg game there's something contemplative when uh, not i never am critical of melody but i feel like if mm-hmm. there's one time where you kind of want to have a vamping track that doesn't have a clear sort of <laughs> repetitive loop point, right. but can still be very repetitious. Not having a melody is a great way of doing that because you don't have like a tune that gets stuck in your head. I mean, I guess you could say this arpeggio that repeats, it's but it's just more of, a, it's more of a vamp. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I, it's perfect for the sort of contemplative nature of you approach things at your pace and you're making decisions. Well, one reason why this track is still engaging and entertaining is the chords are really cool, very jazz fusion-y, surprising, right. uh, you know, seventh, ninth chords. And again, the production, this cool, really hip, like, I don't know, electronic music production. I love the drum sound. I love the weird sort of... I don't know, pad synths in those kind of, yeah, really unique well, sounds. Well, we're not going to leave the soundtrack before hearing some more melodic pieces, so don't worry. Uh, let's play something that I believe is near the end of the game. This is We're Counting on You, Mario.
This is so great to hear. I really like the order, too, in today's episode. This feels like we've come a long way. We're hearing a clear melody, a very beautiful melody, but it's on top of that really interesting, jazzy, wandering bed of, you know, chip arpeggios. Yeah. It has just as much atmosphere as a lot of the pieces that we were gushing over, but this one also has, yeah, it's just very beautiful. Well, and now it's time to gush over a really interesting and unique melody. Indeed. Uh, I mean, he invokes some musical theory terminology, but I just have to, to discuss this melody. All right. It's it's such a, a, a simple tune, but really effective. That yeah, ba ba. Yeah. It's just focusing on these two pitches. Very simple and easy to sing, but the harmonic implications are really interesting. It starts on the five of a one chord. So like if you're right. in C major, it starts on G and goes yeah, ba ba. Which that interval is very basic. It's just going up a fifth. Ba 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 ba. You know, it's like Star Wars or something. But mm-hmm. that note that it leaps to is the ninth in the one chord. Yeah. Ba, 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 Makes it a major ba, nine. Ba, ba, ba. And then mm-hmm. when it switches, it goes to the flat six. And then that what was the five is now the is major now the seventh s- of the yeah, flat the seven. six. That's beautiful. And then it becomes, ba, ba, ba. it becomes this like weird Lydian raised fourth note. Right. An stuff. easy way to describe it is you're taking a very simple melody and you're trying to change it as little as you can. But because the chords are changing, the context has changed, and exactly. it makes it very interesting and a lot yeah. more advanced of an emotion than you you think would be possible with a few notes. Right. It's it's one of my favorite things to do in composition is recontextualize something, and yes. I think one of the best and most effective ways to do that is to have a really simple and elemental um, idea, whether it's a melody or in this case, it's more like a motive, into just try to transform that motive less by changing its specific pitches and transforming Hmm. it, but rather recontextualizing the harmony around it. So if you're hearing something and it's kind of hitting these chord tones, or maybe it's hitting these very specific emotional markers, you completely change the context of the harmony. So maybe now, if the the first note was starting on the third scale degree of a certain chord, maybe now you make it starting on the, you know, major seventh of another chord or something just to really recontextualize the emotional feeling of it. Well, it's so effective because it's the same note, it's the same pitch, but the emotion has changed. That's the big thing to take away right. from this that, that I want people to understand is that it's the same pitch, but because the harmony has changed and the supporting notes have been have been altered, the emotion is completely transformed. And that's actually one of the most magical things of music. Yeah, it's like it adds a level of dissonance. At first, yeah. if it's like the, the the fifth, that's a chord tone. And then the ninth, that's interesting, but it's mm-hmm. like a little bit more expected. But then we have it, it's like the major seventh, which is again, interesting. But then that when it leaps up again, it's doing this like sharp four of a chord that's already outside the key. And it's a yeah. really interesting sound and it feels spacey. It feels emotional. Uh, it And what's cool is like, we're just talking about the conception of the melody in basic chord structure, but it's also complemented by this really rich arrangement that, yeah, atmospheric and... I love the arrangement. I mean, I can't I can't say this enough. The actual sound of this score and the production and the instrument choices and the combination of different textures is 
is 10 out of 10. It's so good. I really love whoever was in charge of, you know, the specific sound of Thousand Year Door. It's great. Well, we have one more track to play. It's another melodic piece. And then I'm excited to maybe choose uh, what's our favorite. I mean, that we're counting on you. That's a tough one to beat. Let's end things on the score with Farewell, Rogue Port. definitely a standout track maybe just if you're talking about instrumentation wise this one doesn't have that eclecticism it seems a little bit more straight straight ahead reminds me of more of like a, like a film score approach mm-hmm. than what we've heard uh, in the soundtrack so far this is farewell rogue port from the thousand year door um, and yeah a lot of the music that comes at the end of the game is very strong some of the strongest melodies in the whole game come right. at the end uh, man, it's so interesting because there's a, a element of it that reminds me of Japanese film music or anime music in, oh, in, for sure. in this case. Uh, it's very interesting chords, though, because there's this like classicism to it where it sounds more like a piece of classical music than you would get, say, from like a modern Western film score or something. But yet the harmonies that are evoked these very modal things occasionally using Lydian and modes and like switching back and forth between modes and stuff really advanced kind of harmonies that are uh it's just a very rich palette I think it um, is. and it, it's a cool mixture I gotta say I'm, I'm really drawn to a piece of music like this it it feels classical and sophisticated yeah you know what I um, find you know what I find interesting about the sound here? Because it doesn't have that eclectic mix of the old stuff and the new stuff, it does remind me a little bit more of the sound you'd get in a lot of GameCube era games. You know, something like right. Wind Waker. Yeah. You just I think have that's, the, that's the, the MIDI is, strings. It's this a is a bit piece rough. of music where the composition is, is quite strong, but yeah, the presentation isn't anything exceptional. I have a real fondness for this sound. It feels mm-hmm. nostalgic, and I think it works in this case. But yeah, I, I, it does come across as kind of corny, I guess. Oh, it's you know? very corny. And I think it's very unfair that we have this nostalgic connection, because when we think of this sound, what comes into our head is beautiful melodies <laughs> by these great Nintendo right. composers. So it's a little right. bit unfair that we have that connection. All right, but well, yeah, this is a we've, really interesting. We've track. now finished what we're playing from the Thousand Year Door. We had a great time. What do you think is the track of the week? For me, it's either going to be X Not Fortress or We're Counting on You, Mario. 
I'm I'm the same sort of split. The X Not Fortress has this immediacy that I really love, and it's very yeah. indicative of all of the production elements that I love in the soundtrack. But True. We're Counting on You also has a lot of those elements, and it has this really great melody that we sort of gushed on for a while. I feel like we should probably do that one. Just because as a track of the week, I feel like if someone's just going to listen to one piece of music from the yeah, game, that's a good that one, one to do. feels a little bit more appropriate. I'm down. All right, guys, you heard it. This week's track of the week is We're Counting on You, Mario. Well, let's move on to uh, maybe one of our other favorite tracks from the whole series. Absolutely adore this. We're going to move on to Super Paper Mario, and we're just playing three pieces today. Um, This is probably my favorite soundtrack in the series. Uh, This was composed by Naoko Mitome, as well as Chika Sekigawa. So, so far, every single score has had, you know, a different group of composers. This is also Intelligent Systems here. It's a game that we both adore and spent a lot of time with. Let's take a listen to Flipside. You guys are listening to Flipside from Super Paper Mario. This came out the same year as Galaxy, uh, about six, seven months before that game was released. We do have a third composer as well, as Mitome and Sekigawa. There's also um, Yasuhisa Baba was uh, also someone who joined on this soundtrack. And that composer was uh, also stayed on for the next game, Sticker Star, as well as a ton of others. Um, and so, yeah, they continued the tradition of changing it up every single game. I gotta say that, you know, as much as I enjoyed The Thousand Year Door, this is at a whole other level for the series. I adore this piece of music. Yeah, so we just want to be clear. One of the reasons why we chose a track of the week from Thousand Year Door is because that soundtrack was the focus of what our patron wanted Mm -hmm. the episode to be about, so we wanted to respect that and celebrate that, but in terms of the music that we're playing today, this is by far my favorite track that we're playing. I absolutely adore every single thing about this. It's harmonically adventurous, but in a way that reminds me of the Mario series. It uses some of those, you know, like flat two tritone substitutions. It's really tuneful. One of the best reasons to explain why we love this so much is because this is a perfect um, transition point from the mainline series into this weird quirky RPG subseries for Mario. Yeah. It, It fits, it kind of could fit for both in a way. Um, I think the quirky stuff that you have with the really weird sounds and, again, 
taking a lot of cues from Thousand Year Door, to be honest, as far as yeah. like how they approach the production. It sounds even better. It does sound like it's a step up above from what we heard for Thousand Year Door. This is a few years later on a new system. Um, but it's taking that idea of very strong melody. I really like how long the form is. It's very evolving and growing. And yeah, I think this is a piece of music that at its heart, it feels Mario and it feels comfortable and familiar but it's taking you to places that you haven't really heard in the main series before. Yeah, it evokes Mario. There's like an echo of that simplicity again with the melody. And I think having this six, eight meter makes it feel sort of timeless and everything. Kind of classical. Uh, but yeah. it has, yeah, again, this modal mixture. You know, some of these chords that it's, it's lending It's experimental. On, it those, yeah, those like planing, uh, mm-hmm. quartal harmony type chords. I mean, one but thing... at the center of it, it's really catchy. But yeah, yeah, it, I agree, Carl. Like it has this same level of um, really interesting production and to me this is how that Nintendo sound of like the weird quirky synths this is the best way to do it because the music underneath is really compelling and interesting and it's aided by these sounds rather than relying on them to do something that's like quirky in a pejorative way (laughs) yeah i think the most important through line for this whole series and i think it's something that every composer every sound director thinks about uh on the series is the music in the the whole series too it's very exploratory and kind of experimental in trying bold things out that you might not have ever seen or heard or felt before and that's what you hear in every single Paper Mario soundtrack the one thing I'll say is it's not the norm for that to accompany this beautiful of a melody Um, so I think what's so special about this piece of music is it has a lot of those ingredients that this this whole series is known for but the actual musical material is so strong and I think it it really has almost everything going for it which is why we really love it uh let's play two more tracks from Super Paper Mario uh this one seems like it's again it very it very much reminds me of the vibe in the thousand year door especially some you know some bad guy kind of snarly character themes um, this this is really classic to me. <laughs> Let's take a listen to the evil Count Black. <laughs> guys are listening to the evil count black uh count black is at least initially uh the main baddie in super paper mario and yeah i really love listening to this episode in the order we're doing because we have a little bit more context you know coming from thousand year door i really can't say enough of how important that was uh for the series and musically especially i think these composers definitely studied that music and were inspired by that soundtrack um, but again, these melodies in Super Paper Mario are are so strong. Yeah, and I, I love the, that they're in service to the humor. That's the other great thing, is it's a good tune, 
but it's done in a way that's like unsettling and humorous. Well, the presentation you know, yeah, is, is perfect. This is the best presentation you could ever hope for this melody because it's really right. silly and kind of weird. Right. But I could imagine a version of this with like violin and, uh, you know, instruments where it's like meant to, because it is quite classical with some of the chromatic harmonies and everything without the weird electronic per- production but, and but everything. But what makes you know? it perfect for me is, and this is something we've talked about a lot in video game music, and it's one of those humble things where you, t- you the starting point is a serious piece of music, like a melody that's actually good and, and could could have a, a context that's not silly right. at Something all. Something composed earnestly that but is like genuine. But then you present it in this kind of eclectic, goofy video game coat of paint. And that's, yeah. that's I think, what makes it uh, so perfect. Well, it's like I, we've made this comparison a lot when we've talked about, you know, humor and video game music and things like that. But if you think of a band like Tenacious D or Flight of the Concords, to me, when their songs are the most funny is when they're also good songs. Yeah, just if it's the a songs good song aren't good from the start like, of it. Yeah, it's not that funny. Just tell jokes then. You know, the humor is that you're. It's like, this sounds like a real song, but the <laughs> yeah. lyrics are so right. goofy and perverse, mm-hmm. you know? And, and then it's like, that, when, it, when that's that... happening, you don't even need that much humor to make it funny because you're, the music sounds real. It sounds like an actual song, well, I think, and so you're not I think you hit it. on what tickles our brain and makes us laugh, is that weird combination where something isn't quite right. This sounds like a real song, and it sounds like it's being taken seriously, but then the lyrics are hilarious and goofy. And that's what tickles our brain more than... Than just if every single thing about it is goofy yeah and that is what happens with a lot of video game music and you know i think the series is guilty of that in certain situations where um they don't have a starting point of a solid piece of music before they add the kind of zany presentation it's just nothing but the zaniness and i think when that happens uh, to me, it's not something I'm as interested in. Yeah. I, I mean, I, like a good example of that, I want to use Tenacious D. Like, you know the moment <laughs> in the song uh, Tribute when he just right. goes boom, and he does that weird thing. Like, it's so funny because of the way that he's singing it, but it's also right. funny because it's like it's actually really good. well composed. <laughs> it's like as good as like the George Martin. Where it sounds like classical, <laughs> it's like classical, and the humor comes yeah. from like presenting that serious, really well written thing in mm-hmm. such a ridiculous way. It's so foolish, but it's like if that wasn't a well composed thing, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be actually funny. be that funny. It would just be like random sounds that someone's making with their voice, you know. All right, we're going to move on to the final battle theme. This is called The Ultimate Show. And this is, again, a very creative and unique take on a final battle. It's definitely not what I was expecting, but I think it fits really well. This is The Final Battle.
good tune. This is the ultimate show, which is a final battle from Super Paper Mario, and we want to mention something. I think Will and myself had the exact same reaction uh, the first time we heard this, is it starts not feeling like a final battle at all, and I think it's purposely setting up uh, you know, this surprise, and I think we were both waiting for that drop. We were like, ooh, something is going to happen. And I think when it did drop, it was a little bit underwhelming. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, my, that's what my favorite part is the introduction because you yeah. have those unsettling <laughs> little glitchy elements that you're just like, oh no, something, oh, something's going to happen. And right. then it does. And it's just it's kind of like. It's not as epic as but you But I don't think anything maybe it would have to be the most epic thing ever in order to, you know, that, that was so suspenseful. Right. You know, it's kind of like a plot twist in a movie. It can never be as great as and the And it's kind of tough. Because I think the music here is all really good. I think there's a lot of really cool moments in this track and yeah, a lot yeah. of interesting rhythmic things happening. And again, that really quirky, eclectic production, um, mm-hmm. having you know things, retro chip sounds mixed with more electronic sounds. It, it's very confident and it works really well. But there is an element of this theme that's a little bit um, underwhelming. Yeah, I, I, the intro is, I think, the big takeaway to me. And I like the idea of starting something where there's that cognitive dissonance where your brain knows this is the final it's supposed to be intense like mm-hmm. i should be the it, it should be amped up so immediately you're kind of like wary of like what's going exactly. on why is it not sounding like that and i love that Super i like well kind done. of having that um delaying the gratification it's almost like the a perverted version of how a really great melody uh delays the resolution to keep the interest going this is like the opposite where you delay the terror you delay the yeah. intensity um and it's it's really satisfying it's something I, I think it's why so often you know music in horror films or horror games leans so heavily on the like childish innocent side of things because it's sometimes. that weird dissonance that yeah, emotional it's like, dissonance you know yeah. it's supposed to be terrifying and it yep. is actually haunting it's just like that shot in the shining where he rounds the corner and you see those two girls standing mm-hmm. there's nothing inherently about little girls that's terrifying but it's like there is something the music, i find and funny you're watching the um, shining you know it's supposed to be scary so it's like i know this has been brought up by like comedian stuff but there is something i find kind of funny about the cliche and horror movies with like little girls and and in some ways why would a little girl be scary like i think i can't remember what comedian was saying he's like I would beat the crap out of that little girl. Well, I I think that's the 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 fear part of it though is that it's like there you I think it works in a horror film because you know you're supposed to be scared by something yet you're seeing something that isn't necessarily it doesn't have any apparent threat. And this piece of music is like that. It's like it, the context make creates the tension. And I think that's what's yeah. so great about it. Well, I'm remembering who made that great joke. It was actually Jake Hurwitz on an If I Were You episode. He had a right. really funny little bit about the girl from The Ring. <laughs> it's like, get back in the TV. <laughs> it's just yelling at her. Oh, yeah. Funny stuff. All right. Let's move on to the last soundtrack we're going to talk about today. Three tracks we'll play from Paper Mario Sticker Star, which came out for the 3DS. And this soundtrack might take the cake, at least from what I've seen, it might have the most (laughs) composers ever on a game. It's insane how many composers worked on this game. I don't know why that was, if they maybe ran out of time and just like, you know, gave each person like a hundred bucks to make one track or something. Um, But yeah, let me see how many we have. We have one, two, three, 
four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I think there's like 12 composers that worked on this game. And I think the only name that we've seen before in the series is Yasuhisa Baba, who did work on Super Paper Mario. I think that's the only person that uh, that is returning. Um, one name that I was very surprised to see on here is Hiroki Morishida. Oh, really? Yeah. I am very surprised by that. Uh, this soundtrack is pretty good. Um, I think similar to a lot of scores in this series, it's kind of up and down. I mean, I think there are pieces of music that are really great. Um, and it, this shouldn't be surprising when you think of how many composers did, worked on it. Carl, did Intelligent Systems make the Fire Emblem Awakening? Yes, they did. Oh, I guess that makes sense then. It does make sense. So yeah, there's there's some great tracks in here. There's plenty of filler. There's plenty of pieces of music that, again, it's just the surface level. Um, but yeah, we're going to play a few that uh, we really enjoy. Let's start things off with the title screen from Paper Mario Sticker Star. cute you guys are listening to the title screen from paper mario sticker star it's a cute little theme um it's definitely fitting for mario it doesn't remind me too much of this series i will say and again my biggest uh, criticism with this soundtrack is just how uneven it is and right. that should not be surprising when you look at how many people worked on it um implementation and production wise as well i mean there's pieces of music that sound like oh this is a big budget and a lot of expression here and then there's tracks that just sound kind of clunky and bad so yeah it's it's an interesting soundtrack yeah i like i love this theme i mean it's really good it sounds like mario it's very cute uh has laid back easygoing kind of uh style does that it feel exactly right for paper mario though i don't know if it is right. I think starting from scratch, I think it, it fits. I mean, the idea of like paper doll, you know, Mario, it, it, it's it's a very innocent and sweet tone. I think, yeah, I'm just in the context of today's episode, I'm a little struck by how it has no relation whatsoever to the musical style of the series, but yep. just I, that's okay. I mean, sometimes some a, a fresh angle, be, better to do that and do it well than to kind of do a pale imitation of things that have already been done to death. I mean, if you think about Paper Mario in general, the, that sound was not necessarily an obvious choice. It took a bold approach to try something new. So I'm not opposed to something new and different. I like this theme. Um, hmm. I guess to me that my only criticism is like this isn't as different and interesting as the Thousand Year Door and Super Paper Mario kind of 
electronic style is from your expectations where for sure. this sounds more like i guess what you'd expect from a mario game in that being said it's not one of the best themes in the series you know it, right. it, it's a it's fairly i guess obvious in terms of where it's going you know it's much um, safer yeah for sure yeah um we're gonna move to a track this is the last of the day other than the play out and this is a standout absolutely uh, it's a very strong piece of music and a lot of energy here it's kind of that jazzy big band kind of cartoony vibe it's called sling a thing enjoy So we're getting a little bit of that zany eclecticism here that we've come to really enjoy in this series. I think this, uh, this I feel a little bit better about. I mean, I feel like this is a nicer balance where it feels like it's definitely inspired by what has come earlier in the series, but definitely going in a different direction. I mean, it's a little bit more kind of jazzy and uh, cartoony than um, I think a lot of the stuff we've heard in the series. This is Sling a Thing from Sticker Star. What do you think about this, Will? Yeah, it's very cute. I, again, it, it doesn't have the electronic elements of the previous series, but it has sort of the the quirkiness of it, I For guess sure. I would say. And I, I, I don't mind the evoking of the condo themes and stuff. I think mm-hmm. that's 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 fine. Um, it's there's not something about this that's a little <laughs> saccharine. I, yeah, um, I would totally agree. It, not to a huge degree. It doesn't overly bother me. I think part of it is like if it was all real instruments, I would <laughs> yeah. I would probably be a little more into it because um, I heard that piano and I'm like, ooh, this kind of cool. It has like a, a swanky, you know, saloon. But the sax know, and flute are a little piano. bit struggling. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, a, I don't know, it, it doesn't quite take advantage of that idiom. I think it's not as noty and busy as it is. It's not actually as interesting as the genre of music it's trying to send up. Um, so I just right. think it could have gone a little bit further, but I do think, yeah. yeah, it's a great change of pace in today's episode, uh, has a pretty good melody and, um, I do like the sound of it. I like that this sticker star is going for something different. It sounds more like yeah, overall the I do of a well. children's show, you know, like something you'd hear in blues clues or Sesame street. Or There's something. good music. I, the playout track guys is called the Enig mansion unhaunted. And it's, that's a love letter to, to Luigi's mansion music. It's, it's, it's very Luigi's mansion-y. Um, it's a good melody, and it's a really fun play out. Um, and so that's what we're ending the day with. I had a surprising good time with this. I think coming into this episode, both of us 
I don't think we would say we're fans of Paper Mario music, uh, especially not the first game. Um, right. But I think that we've really discovered uh, that there is something very special that the series has. And when it's done well, uh, it really is unlike anything else. Um, when it's not done well, it can just be annoying. We're not playing music from what came after Sticker Star. I don't know too much about it. I know there's been some some controversy and some some fans that aren't really maybe feeling some of the more recent games. Uh, so we can't really speak too much to that. And I think there's actually kind of a crossover. One of the most recent Mario and Luigi games, I think, was basically a Paper Mario crossover. It's like Mario and Luigi, is it Paper Jam, I think? Yeah, exactly. And which is Sho- Yoko Shimomura again, yeah. Which is interesting, kind of coming full circle. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I kind of, I think it might be nice to explore some of those games, as well as there's a Wii U one. And I want to go back, and I know we probably did it a while ago, like a Super Mario RPG episode, but I feel like we also incorporated Mario and Luigi stuff and tried yeah, to tackle that Yeah, we did both in series. one episode. Yeah. We should go back and just focus on Super Mario RPG RPG because it's okay. such a good score. I'd and be then down maybe for that. Do an episode on the Mario and Luigi series, just proper. Um, yeah, I think there's so much. Great definitely, stuff. RPG is is worth uh, having a spotlight. I mean, there's plenty of great great classic music. So, all right, guys, we had a good time. We want to thank our patron Ben uh, and all of our patrons for their continued support. We had a fun time listening to music from a series that's not really in our wheelhouse. But it was cool. Uh, this is uh, the playout is the Inig Mansion Unhaunted from Sticker Star. We want to thank everyone for uh, their nice iTunes ratings and reviews. Um, we want to thank everyone for their nice emails. And if you're interested in joining some really fun conversation about video games and music, uh, you can get an invite to our Discord channel, uh, which is just a great community. If anyone's interested, feel free to send us an email or a tweet or a message, and we will hook you up. Yeah, and uh, we would very much appreciate it if you're enjoying the show to uh, give us a rating and review over at iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It helps Indeed. new listeners to discover our show. And, you know, we've got so many exciting things in store for the weeks and months to come. We're sitting on our Takashi Tateshi interview, I mean, mm-hmm. we're just so eager to get that to everybody. Uh, and yeah, That's we have lots wonderful. of neat episode ideas kind of coming up in the future. So, uh, we're very grateful for any of our new listeners. Uh, and for those of you who've been with us for a long time, we appreciate your patronage and your support. Last thing I would like to mention is if anyone is even close to the Midwest area or even not, if you just want to come to another convention about video game music, we got to plug VGM con, which right. is in Minneapolis. Uh, which we're friends with uh, the people that have founded it and put put this on for years. It's going to be February 22nd to the 24th. Um, and we're performing on uh, Saturday night. So if you want to hear the live Mercado band, I think we might also do a panel. We can try to squeeze that in if possible. So it's going to be a great time. Some really cool guests, uh, composers, panelists, bands. So if you're even close to the area, you should definitely come to VGM Con and we will hang out. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out. Mm-hmm.